So take your Bible this morning. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And uh, verse number 4. Start off with this. It says, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 4. He said, where the word of a king is, there is power. Who shall say unto him, what doest thou? Where the word of a king is, there's power. Words are powerful. And that'd be the subject for this morning's Sunday school lesson. Go over to Psalm 119. His words are powerful. The Bible says in Galatians 5, verse 17, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. They are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You and I have a nature that didn't go away when we got saved. The old nature is still there. And when you get saved, the fight's on. Amen. And it's important to, uh, to try to nourish the spiritual nature uh, because, uh, let's face it, the old one's been in place a long time and has not given up easy, not given, out, given up without a fight. Amen. And we're talking about words being powerful. Of course, our topic is always going to concern the Word of God, primarily. And uh, Psalm 119, verse 11 says this, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Now the significance, again, we've got a carnal nature that wants to sin, prone to sin, lover of, lovers of pleasure, and all that kind of thing. Totally self-centered. Only cares primarily about what it thinks, what it wants. Amen. And uh, for a Christian, these are not attributes. They're not characteristics that are pleasing to God. And we need all the help we can get to in the spiritual battle to overcome what comes natural. And it's not a secret formula right there. It's laid out in verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And so, uh, uh, to a large degree, uh, the sin problems that we have uh, and that we struggle with are likely, more, more than likely, a result of our lack of uh, hiding the Word of God in our hearts. And it doesn't say, you know, hide it in your bookcase, and it doesn't say hide it under your arm and stroll into church. It says hide it in your heart. There's more to being a Bible believer, obviously, but there's more to the victory that's available to you through Jesus Christ, which is revealed to us in his word. Uh, there's more to it than just uh, owning it, claiming to know it's true. You've got to spend some time with it. Amen. As a matter of fact, if you back it up to verse 9 in uh, Psalm 119, the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? So we get dirty. We're sinners by nature. Wherewithal shall a young man, and I'm here to tell you it works for old men too, and young women, and old women too. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed uh, thereto according to thy word. Taking heed. Hearing it ain't enough. Uh, knowing it is not enough. You got to put uh, feet to it. James mentioned that about the difference between being a hearer and a doer. You got to take heed or it just goes in one ear and not the other. And uh, the world, the flesh and the devil will all make sure uh, to keep the volume turned up loud enough. It ain't going to settle where it needs to settle right here. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. We're talking about the power of words this morning. Your words are powerful too. And so we could go on all day. And as a matter of fact, in the morning hour, we'll talk much more about his word. But let's spend a little time talking about yours. Your words are powerful too. Uh, take your Bible, go to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6 in verse number 2 says this. Uh, Thou art snared. With the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. <laughs> Your words are powerful. They'll get you into trouble if you don't mind them. Amen. Uh, there's another verse over there. Go to Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7, verse 21. Talking about the power of words. Watch this. With her much fair speech 
she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. So this woman in Proverbs 7 overcome this young man, not by force, strength, power, anything like that. She overcame him with words. This guy, the Bible says, and, uh, and uh, it says he's void of understanding. Could I remind you that uh, knowledge of the holy is understanding. You can be smart, talented, gifted in a lot of ways, but if you don't have this thing right here, in your life, in your heart, the Bible says you're void of understanding and you're susceptible to being taken down by a girl. Tough guy. Amen. All right. So uh, we're talking about the power of words. It says in Proverbs 10. Go ahead and go there. It's Sunday school and, and uh, we can look at a few of these. Proverbs 10 and verse 19. The Bible says a lot about words. It says... Uh, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. Wanteth not sin means the more you talk, the more chances are you're going to be talking about something you shouldn't. John Wesley, old Methodist preacher a couple hundred years ago, uh, he said one time, he said, I try to limit all my conversations to 15 minutes or less, which is really incredible for any kind of preacher. And somebody asked him why. He says, well, I find that after 15 minutes, the tendency to gossip or talk about things or talk about people I should, they just, the conversation goes to talking about things that aren't relevant, don't matter, don't edify. And then I, when I heard that, I thought he must have known some Baptist preachers in his day. <laughs> because sometimes we can, uh, and I, 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 I resigned from the preacher club. A number of years ago, I used to go to big meetings where all the preachers would gather around. And what I found out was they sit around and they critique each other. Oh, no, they don't critique each other. They critique everybody that's not in the group at the same time, at the time. And I thought, this is not good. Amen. This is not good. I like some of it. I like it too much. I had to separate myself. I just like try to keep my nose to the grindstone, hand to the plow. Uh, churches like this week in and week out. I don't like to be around where... You know, it, it feeds something in me that isn't good. And uh, I heard it said this one time, Baptist preachers are like, uh, are like cow manure. If you spread them out, they can do some good. But if you pile them up, boy, they'll stink sooner or later. <laughs> Amen. See, that's why I don't mind talking about you, because I don't mind talking about me. Amen. We're all in this together. And that ain't a compliment. <laughs> We're a mess without Jesus Christ. He knows it and he gave us a Bible. And his word's important. Uh, in Matthew 26, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 26 in verse uh, uh, 73, uh, uh, the, uh, the, a gal uh, there that's confronting Peter at the fire said, uh, she identified him as one of the Galileans as with Peter, I mean with Jesus, and, and the way she was able to identify him was, uh, was uh, that it says, where is it? Thy speech bereath thee. She could tell where he was from because of his accent. You know, one of the things about traveling the way we do, north, south, east, and west, corner to corner, and all across the country, is there's a lot of different accents in America. I don't know how to break the news to you, but everybody doesn't speak normal English like Minnesota and Ohio. <laughs> Amen. I tell you, just to be honest, and I do so wish Jeremy was in here right now, I got a chance to preach in Massachusetts. And let me just say, there are saved people in Massachusetts. Not a whole lot, but there's some people up there that love God and love that book. And I got a chance to go up there. Blackstone was the town. And uh, I got a chance to preach. They flew me up there. I was alone. And, uh, and uh, they flew me up there. And uh, I'm talking to the people getting ready to get up and preach. So first thing I did, introduce myself to endear myself to these people. Yeah, amen. Well, as I said, I really appreciate uh, being here, and I'm really glad to see there's this many saved people in this incredibly liberal place, and it is. And uh, I said, but I just want to say one thing. Uh, you people sure talk funny up here. 
and say, Brother Spurgeon, why would you start like that? Because I could tell that that's exactly what every one of them was thinking about me. So <laughs> I'm old school. You just lead, you know, good offense is the best defense. Amen. Uh, but your words will, will, will tell on you. They'll tell you where you're from. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33 says this. Be not deceived. Evil communication. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Amen. I know people that was raised right and taught right and are off the rails somewhere right now uh, because evil, evil communication, and that's because of the choices they made more often than not, Evil communication is corrupted. There are good manners. People that used to know how to act don't know how to act anymore. And it has to do with evil communication. So I just want to say beware of filthy talkers. Beware of being led astray with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Amen. Social media and I are not friends. Amen. Because of the negative. Amen. Because of the negative impact it's had. Uh, the Bible says a lot about words. It says in Colossians 3 and verse 8, but now ye also put off all these. Their original equipment, they came with it. They came with the uh, nature, the flesh nature. So there's things that uh, the Bible's real clear, especially in Colossians 3, that you put off the old man, put on the new, and one of the things that put off was uh, filthy communication out of your mouth. Amen. It amazes me what, what, we're up in Long Island one time at the church Brother Butler was at 20 plus years ago. We came out of that church one night with a good, uh, we had a good meeting. I think Pete, you're even still with us then. And, uh, and, uh, and so I, you know, I, I'm that spiritual high. We had a good meeting. Lord moved in the meeting. We pulled into a 7 Eleven, uh, get something. And uh, there's a group of kids over here to the side, you know, teenagers. And, uh, you know, and uh, I said, man, I had some tracks. I'm going to go over there and, and give them a track. And uh, they didn't look like they're very interested in religious things. Well, I mean, spiritual things, which is exactly who we need to go after. So I walked over to some tracks in my hand and I said, hey, man, let me give you let me give you something to read. And he's like, you know, a little apprehensive and he glances around at his friends. But he put his hand out to take it. And a girl, a teenage girl said to me, what the blankety blank is that? And I just, I was appalled. I had two teenage girls in the car with me and I just ain't used to hearing them talk like that. And I know they talk like that. I got saved late. But I'm telling you, man, uh, you better beware of that kind of thing. Filthy communication. So the word, the word of God says some things about your word, says some things about his, a whole bunch. But it says some things about the power of your words. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is uh, powerful words. Father, again, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray and ask that you'd bless this hour, everything that's going on in the building. And uh, Father, I pray you'd help me say something, be a blessing to you and help these folks. And uh, I pray in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, everything I've said pretty much so far has been pretty negative. And the Lord's got a lot of warnings in his book about the power of our words to keep us from messing up with them. But there's some things in the Bible about uh, that are very positive about our words, too. It says in Proverbs 15 and verse 26, the thoughts of the wicked. The thought, you remember God, you know, reads the thoughts, don't you? Uh, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. That means he hates them extremely. Amen. Doesn't say he hates the wicked. He went to send his son to the cross to make a way for the wicked to be forgiven. But he don't like the conduct. He don't like sin. He hates sin. Sin killed Jesus Christ and sin kills his pride possession too. Say, who's that? You and me. All right. So it says the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Amen. I know some people that are so pleasant, they make my teeth hurt. They're so sweet. I'm not used to that. Amen. But I'll tell you what, God likes it. Amen. The words of the pure are pleasant. It says in Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are as in honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and health 
to the bones. Amen? Proverbs 17, uh, 27 says this, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Knowledge of the holy is understanding. He that is under, uh, of un, a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. It says that he that hath knowledge, people that know some things don't seem to have the need to do so much talking. The next verse says, even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Amen. Maybe you've heard it said. I think my mom said it to me probably a couple times. Uh, David's better to be quiet and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> uh, Colossians 4 and verse 6 says this. says, uh, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer Every man. We're to have an answer to every man that asketh us of the reason of the hope that lieth within us. And the way you get that, the right answer is to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. First Peter chapter 3. But, uh, but uh, it said, uh, seasoned with salt. <laughs> so early in evangelism, I was in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, June. <coughs> Very hot. 100 degrees. I'm in a trailer. <coughs> Excuse me. The day I have no water is the day I cough. So the, uh, I'm in a prophet chamber. It's June. It's 100 degrees. The prophet chamber was a room that prior to me showing up was the Sunday school overflow storage junk room. Yeah. So there, you can stay in here for a week. And it looked like they went in with a bobcat and just moved everything over about eight feet. So now there's a pile of stuff, and you can't even tell. Nobody could ever use anything. They got a little cot there, a little table, and a little lamp. And that's the prophet chamber. And it was probably pretty, pretty close to a scriptural prophet chamber. <laughs> I tell you what, I would, lay, I would lay there at night. It's hot, and I'm hearing noise out of that pile. Amen. <laughs> and I didn't, it was no, I didn't recognize what it was. I didn't know if it was crickets. I, it was big crickets, man. I didn't know what it was. I'd be laying there going, I don't even know what to think. I, it's Florida. There's animals down there that eat people like alligators and snakes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. And I'm hearing all these noises, and I'm laying there with my eyes wide open, and there's a sign that was obviously used for either a Sunday school or maybe a vacation Bible school. And uh, so it was about this big, and it, it was the verse that I just read. It said, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. And, uh, but I didn't notice it until I'm laying there in bed because it's on its side. And I'm laying there looking at that, listening to these noises, watching for movement. <laughs> and then it said, uh, uh, it, it said uh, seasoned with salt. Uh, and then it said, another thing, because tomorrow you may have to eat them. <laughs> Season your words with salt. Amen. I thought that's pretty good. Listen, words are powerful. And the ability to hurt or to help comes with the tongue. James got a lot to say about the tongue, how dangerous it is. I, 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 we claim to believe the Bible. We claim to read the Bible. But sometimes the, uh, our conduct reflects that we are not reading it very closely. And I'm talking about me, too. I've been reading the Bible for 32 years, and I come across them going, well, when did that get put in there? And it's been there the whole time. Amen. So words are powerful. How many ever heard this growing up? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many ever heard that? Amen. All right. Uh, let me just uh, break, the, uh, break the myth for you. Uh, that's not true at all. I'm telling you, a fat lip. We heal up faster than a broken spirit. You can hurt somebody's feelings and it not even leave a mark. But I'll tell you what, with some people, it'll cause grudge to grow forever. Amen. We had a saying like this in the old days. I was a barroom brawler. I mean, I did it on purpose. The military taught me how to do it good. And uh, that's why I'm glad there's a good fight to get in. Amen. You don't have to be a wimp to be a Christian. Truth of the matter is, you've got to be more of a man than ever to live by that book. But we used to say this, drunk man's words 
are a sober man's thoughts. Well, you get in a bar, man, people get liquored up, and all of a sudden they find the courage to say things they didn't have the courage to say. And they loosen up, and then they get beat up. And then they say, sorry, I was just drunk. And you know what our, thought, our, our comeback was, our, 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 our way of thinking? If you said it when you was drunk, you meant it when you were sober. It just took that to get it out. Say, oh, that's great, Brother Spurgeon. You want a Christian application? How about things said in anger? Boy, I've heard Christians get mad at each other and say things to each other they shouldn't say, would never said if they're thinking clearly and then say, oh, I didn't really mean it. I was just angry. And I got news for you. Chances are you did mean it. And here's why. That book says in Luke 6 and 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So what comes out when you're mad was in there already. You hear me? You better keep a guard on that thing. Amen. Okay, now, words are powerful, so I want to encourage you uh, to choose them wisely. And so we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll just try to give you some good examples. Now, first of all, uh, uh, we need to get a hold of words that edify. Edify. That's a Bible word. Uh, that's, that's not a, I never even heard of the word until I got saved. Until I got in the Bible. It means to build up. And it, and it has a, an application. I mean a, a, a builder might edify a building. It means to, to uh, increase the support. To build it up. But pretty much it's archaic word in the secular. But it's used in the Bible. In, in very important places that are gun barrel straight. Pauline doctrinally. Doctrinally to you. Ephesians 4 and 29 says. Let no... Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, there must be a problem with that. So, um, um, so I, I looked the word no up. Because some people must read that, well, you know, unless, or I feel, or I thought, or this. It says no. That means, like, no. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So the parameters right there, I mean, the, the definition of corrupt communication is something that isn't good to the use of edifying, doesn't build up, doesn't minister grace. Now listen, you got a battle with the stuff in your head just like I do and just everybody else. But I'm trying to encourage you to learn to get a control over what comes out of your mouth. I'm not saying, well, if you're saved and if you really love Jesus and you're really saved, you will never have a bad thought. I wish that was true. But I know this, it's a long line, it's a lifelong endeavor to get a handle on the communication, to get that spirit under control. Amen. So words that edify are things like this. You're doing a great job. Amen. People, compliments are important. I got a daughter that uh, raises kids. I mean, her kids are really good. And over and over, they would, they would do something, and she would say, great job. And I mean, and I watched that pay off and that encouragement. I didn't have that growing up. If I did something right, I was expected to do things right. But I'm telling you, words are important, and the Bible talks about words that edify, and it's important to be encouragement. Encouraging, just say thank you. Is encouraging. It shows that you're appreciated. Amen. Uh, 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 how, okay, men, ladies, turn it off. Men, you need to learn to compliment women. Yeah, they, I don't know what it is about them, but they like it. They need it. You and me, better not. Yeah, you know, if you need somebody saying something nice about your clothes or your hair all the time, you need counseling. But women are different. Amen. And you need to edify them. Amen. My mom taught me as a kid, she said, David, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I had a preacher get a hold of me the other day about another preacher. And he asked me what I thought. And I said, well, 
My mom said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. <laughs> he said, I got it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, we go to churches that I don't talk to people. Now, if I didn't get around to you, it's just because we ain't got there yet. Amen. But I'm, there are some people, I don't, I'm not in there causing trouble. I got nothing to say. Amen. Somebody says, well, Spurgeon doesn't like me. If he's talking to you, he likes you. Because if I don't, I'm not going to talk to you at all. Because I don't want, there's a negative side of me that I don't want to come out. That's why I don't like to argue. I, don't, I joke around. I don't like to argue. I don't like to contend. There are spirits that there's something in me that will rise to the top. And I don't want to see it. I guarantee you, you don't. Amen. So let's try to concentrate on words that edify. I've heard people that are just, uh, oh, well, you know, them, they just say what's on their mind like that's a virtue. That's not a virtue. More often than not, not, it's just a lack of tact, diplomacy, or consideration. That Bible teaches us that discernment is doctrinal. Say, well, when do I know what to, if somebody asks you your opinion, you give it. But you don't lead with it. Hey, boy, I think that looks stupid. Well, I think you're stupid. Shut up. Pow! No, I shouldn't have done that. Okay. <laughs> now, evangelists, I don't know about pastors, because for some reason, God never made me one. <laughs> Can't understand that. But maybe preachers, but evangelists make up words. We do it by accident. Amen? And chances are, if we don't say something about it, most of you will think that must be a word. I never heard that before, but I was preaching one time and I said something about deadify. Deadify. As being the opposite of edify. And it's not a word, but I made it up. I think it works. Amen. Because the opposite of edify would be to deadify would be to tear down. Amen. That's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, words have the ability to build up or tear down. Uh, we had a singing group uh, years ago, and uh, our girls, one by one, uh, uh, got married, moved away. I don't know what happened there. But uh, uh, years ago, uh, when uh, one of the daughters got married and moved out, and then they were singing in their local church while we're on the road, and me and mom are, you know, we do, you know, do our best. That's what we do. <laughs> And, 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 and the best singer of all, I got up and sang a special, and somebody came up to her and said, uh, you know, I just don't get anything out of your singing. And she was the tender-hearted daughter, and it bugged her. I mean, she's trying to do something for the Lord, and she actually is pretty good, and, uh, and definitely had the right spirit, wasn't trying to bring attention to herself. And it, it man, it, she was crushed. And uh, she wouldn't tell me, but she told mom. Mom told me, and I went to her. I says, who was it that said that? <laughs> who said it? Who is so lame-brained that they would discourage the heart? You ladies, you did a great job. And you boys, just keep letting them cover you, and you'll look better than you are, too. <laughs> no, actually, they all did a good job. Didn't they? I, that's one thing about watching these young people grow up is to see them use what God gives them for his glory. And I commend you for that. Amen. I'm going to tell you what, if words have the power to words have the power to build up or tear down that power. We're talking about powerful words uh, this morning. Words that edify. You need to get a hold of that. Your little vocabulary. Amen. Words that inquire. It's like. Let people know your care. How are you doing? And mean it. And be sincere. Amen? That's important. That's important. Be real. Be sincere. Don't be phony. Amen? A lot of times you say, how are you doing? And people will say, fine. And it isn't because things are fine. Things are often not fine. We all, we have problems. Amen? I mean, not compared to the big one, we don't. But we have issues, and you say, how you doing? And, and, and if you know, if you're sincere and a person will share some details, it'll be for the sake so that you can pray for them intelligently. But a lot of times people just say, well, I'm fine, because they think, well, nobody really cares anyway. We're just supposed to say that. Amen. Words and inquire. How's this? Is there anything I can do to help? Amen. I mean, I know Christians that'll never say that, because they're really afraid somebody might say, yeah, would you? <laughs> it's like nice to say. We need, to, uh, we need to be interested in each other and inquire. 
Amen? We need to get a hold of words that empathize. Okay, I know. That means this. The ability to be genuinely, that keeps coming up. Because in a phony, fake, plastic world, we're supposed to be real. Okay, so when we're as phony and plastic as the rest of the world, that, maybe that's why, to a large degree, we're not making a dent. And add to that the fact that we're, we're a fallen nature, too, and we're sinners, though saved by grace. Uh, if we're not working at it, we're failing. And the world sees that and uses that as an excuse to blow this whole thing off. But I tell you, this is the most important thing that's ever been on this planet. Because this is what will determine where you spend the eternity. All right, so words that inquire, like, uh, uh, yeah, I already did that one. Empathize. Words, uh, the ability to be genuinely affected by the distress of another. And boy, there's time. Boy, the devil can get you alone. He'll, he'll tell you nobody cares about you. Everybody's doing fine but you. And that's why we need each other, and that's why we need to uh, empathize with each other. I have a brother-in-law that's in heaven now, a couple actually, uh, and he's in heaven now, and he was down in uh, uh, Memphis, and we would go down there, preach, and uh, he would take us to Corky's Barbecue, and uh, there's a little uh, uh, contest around between North Carolina, Texas, Tennessee Barbecue. Tennessee Barbecue is the best. I'm just telling you right now. Corky's Dry Ribs, you ever get it? It's all good. Don't get me wrong. What we had yesterday was great. Almost made a mistake, didn't I? <laughs> Amen. Uh, it was the, okay, I take it all back. No. Uh, we're at Corky's, and, uh, and uh, the girl, we're talking about the belt buckle of the Bible belt down in Tennessee. And uh, so we're there. We're there, and uh, the waitress takes our order, and he says this, says, ma'am, before, uh, before you go turn our order in, he says this, I want you to know that we're Christians, and we're going to pray over our food, and they see that a lot down south, and I hope they see it up here, at least with y'all, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he said, we're going to pray over our food, and I would just like to ask you, is there anything that you would like us to pray about for you. And I'd seen a variety of reactions when he's asked that. And I'd seen a girl look at us like we're from another planet. She is probably transplanted from Massachusetts. I mean, <laughs> yeah, she just, that blew her away. Amen. And, uh, and I'd seen a lady there one time take her on. She said, well, that's very kind. And uh, she said something about, well, pray for this something, you know. And, uh, and we did. But I'll tell you what, there was a time when he asked that, a waitress, nice young girl, standing there, and she teared up, man. And she had something going on. I can't remember what it was, whether it was a mother with a very serious ailment or something she was struggling with. And just the fact that somebody would care enough to ask her, because she was acting very professionally. She was doing her job. She wasn't wearing it on her sleeve that she was having a rough situation in her life. But when he asked if we could pray, boy, that girl, she was affected. She was impacted uh, by that. Sometimes you need to learn this. Words are powerful, but sometimes there's nothing to say. Sometimes people are talking when they shouldn't be. The Bible says weep with them that weep. Some tragedy comes along and just shut up. Because I say people say things that don't. I've been, I buried my whole family. Amen. Uh, not all of them, obviously. But, um, and I hear people say things. I'm going, well, that was dumb. Amen. So if you don't know what to say, just don't say nothing. Let them know you love them. Words are important. Words are powerful. You know what I like, though, personally? I know you haven't noticed this about me. But I like words that excite. Amen. I like being fired up. I like, I like uh, uh, battle cries. Yeah, that's what they're for. Remember the Alamo. I've been down there, I mean, a half a dozen times at the Alamo. Them guys, the courage that was... Uh, that was uh, uh, on display there. It reminds me that I'm an American. I'm not apologizing for that. Amen. Uh, remember Pearl Harbor. Amen. After that attack. And then, uh, and then uh, uh, remember 9-11. Uh, we named, I call this ministry, remember Calvary. 
Because that's where it started, and that's where that's what it's all about, and all this other stuff. Sometimes we get some victory, and we forget that it was all about. If it wasn't, and Brother Bob said it several times, if it wasn't Jesus Christ hanging on that cross, none of this other stuff would make no difference. I like words that excite. Here's one I made up for you, for you to help you guys. Remember summer. <laughs> somebody, somebody said one time said in Minnesota we have two seasons winter and July <laughs> so remember summer it's just well from right now it's, it's a far corner but it'll be here again next year what I like is words that get you excited about God amen uh, sometimes a preacher will ask for testimonies and young Christians are so funny because some of the things that they get up and just to thank, start thanking God for. And I remember when it was that real, that genuine, that tenderhearted. Sometimes we get a little too stinking dignified for our own good. Amen. I like people that are excited about what God's done and what God's doing and uh, things like that. Uh, there's, I know a lot of Christians, they're like a wet blanket. Amen. Some people, I will never say, how are you doing? Because they'll tell you. And then you better find a chair because it's going to bore you to tears. So some people, and we learn as traveling, we get to know our people. And uh, so I just, uh, somebody might come in and say, hey, how you doing? Oh, doing good. Good, good. good. And then somebody else will come in and I'm going, hi. <laughs> and they're like, uh, uh, I'm, I'm off, man. I'm going somewhere else. Some people's words are like a wet blanket. There's always some negativity. Listen, there's a, you got to know this character. His name is Eeyore. Right? And he's a Democrat. I mean, a donkey, right? I'm sorry. Amen. And this guy's depressing. Now, let me just say this. He's the donkey on Winnie the Pooh. Right? And, he's, and his whole tone of voice is nauseating. And I'm not even going to try to imitate it. Brother Butler, could you? Okay, no. And then, um, and, uh, yeah, and I used to say, I used to be a biker, I was a paratrooper, I was a biker, and I've never read Winnie the Pooh, and I'm never reading Winnie the Pooh, and I only know about ER because somebody told me. Then I started having grandchildren. Yeah. And now I'm sitting there in a chair watching Winnie the Pooh. I'm Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh, I'm going, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> Amen. But I tell you what, what I remember of the whole thing, I remember this donkey throwing away, well, it's not going so good for me today. I'm going, this guy's depressing. I know Christians like that. I left Dayton, Ohio, our church one time, or like 8 o'clock Sunday morning, drive over to Indianapolis. I was preaching at an inner city work. And uh, they love me over there because we all came from the same place. And, uh, and uh, this guy's riding, or he's a Bible Institute student. And... Uh, and, uh, and again, two hours is like, Brother Spurgeon, where do you get messages from? I said, I download them from the Sword of the Lord website, like everybody else. <laughs> and he says, I said, well, I, I guess, I hope I get them from the Lord. And he says, God never gives me messages like that. And things like this. But at two hours, I was ready to commit suicide. <laughs> hey, man, he was depressing. I never took him anywhere again. I don't want to be around that guy. Amen. I want my enthusiasm for the things of God to uh, stir up yours. So it's just, let me, before we move on, let me ask you, what do your words do? Amen. You always trying to get sympathy? Are you encouraging anybody? Amen. How about words that exhort? Take your Bible. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 24, the Bible says this, uh, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works. In my Bible, under that verse is my wife's name. What my wife went through with her first husband and the spirit with which she was excited about being in church after having to be out because of medical things. And she came in, I said, and I, that, I said, that woman's testimony provokes me. I was a young Christian, provokes me to want to be a better Christian, the way she handled it. And I wrote her name, Susan Hontine, right down there next to Hebrews 10, 24. That's what we're supposed, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works. 
Would anybody say that about you? Amen? Would anybody consider you and say, boy, I watched them go through a struggle. I watched them go through a trial. I watched them survive hard times. And they did it, and I want to do it too. And that's what we're supposed to do. Because the devil's on the other side, and why don't you just slit your stinking throat? And sadly, people do. The next verse says, not forsaking. Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's what we've been doing here for five days. Amen? That's what you do every week. We assemble ourselves together. Amen? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. This world doesn't see the day approaching. Modern Christianity doesn't even know what day that's talking about. Whether it's pre-trib, post-trib, amillennial, I know that it's talking about the Lord coming back. I'm looking for it. Looking for that blessed, open the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. But in be- between now and then, we're supposed to meet, assemble, and exhort one another. To what? Go on, for co- go-, go on for God. Amen. Exhort one another to live for God, to be a witness to a lost and dying world. Amen. To exhort means to encourage, to embolden, or to cheer. Also to advise, warn, or caution. Our job, brothers and sisters, is to exhort one another. Uh, reproving and rebuking. It says to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. That's to the preacher. Your job isn't to reprove and, 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 and rebuke and critique, amen, let alone gossip about any other Christian. That's the preacher's job to re- review, to rebuke and reprove, and he's going to do it with long-suffering and, uh, and doctrine, and he's going to go to the Lord for wisdom. So you need to keep your little mouth shut sometimes. Amen. Here's some words that exhort. You're a blessing. The Lord really used you. What more, what better thing could you ever say? To a child of God that wants to be, that I mean is out of the nursery. I mean, there's a nursery for Christians, that milk place, you know. But if you've been around at all, you ought to want to uh, be used of the Lord in some way. And that's, those are words. Listen, the devil's not going to exhort you. And I'll tell you something else. There's a bunch of brethren that won't either. I don't know what that's about. Jealousy, and I don't know. I don't care. It, it grieves my spirit. It grieves God's spirit. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Let's learn to exhort one another. How about this? Uh, word that entreat. Entreat. <laughs> We're not real famous for this. So what's entreat mean? Uh, to make an earnest petition. Earnest. There we go again with genuine. Earnest petition or request to offer a treaty. You know what that means? You want to hear some words that entreat? I'm sorry. It was my fault. Please forgive me. Boy, the flesh hates that boy. The flesh is so hard to say I was wrong. Amen. Now I'll tell you what. The devil hates it when Christians will. Because it's totally contrary to the flesh and for what he would do and what he wants you to do. Some of you, perhaps, if you're ever going to sincerely apologize to somebody, you might want to have them sit down first. So they don't like pass out because they're so shocked. Amen. Here's how we, well, if I did anything to offend you. That's how we do it. Buddy, that ain't sincere. That ain't apologizing. Amen? Amen? All right. Next. Words that exalt. Take your Bible. Go to Revelation 5. These are good. Words that exalt. Exalt who? Not you. Not the Vikings. Not the twins. What else we got around here? 
I don't know. Amen. Words that exalt Jesus Christ. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. Here's that crowd. It says, uh, let me see, verse 11. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts, and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. Now, before you get your little Googler out, or your calculator to try to figure how many that is, the Lord throws in, and thousands of thousands. So you can't calculate that. You don't, you can't. But I can help you with it. How many is 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands? I can tell you how much that is. That is a lot. I know, you're welcome. Amen. <laughs> That's a lot. And here's what they're doing. Verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Those are words that exalt. And he's worthy. And verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever. <laughs> and ever. Amen. Listen, child of God, it shouldn't be hard to implement, to employ words that exalt Jesus Christ in your, in your everyday vocabulary. Amen. It shouldn't, be that, it shouldn't be that hard. So things like, you know, praise the Lord and, and uh, glory to God. And God is good. Those things ought to just come out of your mouth naturally, not just when you're making sure that that's what you want somebody to hear you say. It shouldn't be difficult. People notice, too. I was in, also in Long Island. I don't know what to deal with that. But uh, preaching for Brother Costa one time, and we needed a part for something because that's part of our life. You know, I, yeah, I know you think we're on vacation all the time, but sometimes we got to fix stuff. And uh, I'm in a Napa store. And uh, so I go in there, I need a part for a generator, and I'm down there, and about third person back, and the guy that's uh, at the counter looked like Adolf Hitler, and uh, acted like it, and he's real rude and crude and socially unacceptable, and he's cursing, taking the Lord's name in vain, and he's just got everybody on the edge, he's got three employees behind him, two guys and a girl, and uh, he's saying, go get this blankety-blank off the shelf, and he's nice to the customer, but he's treating his uh, employees terrible. And, uh, and uh, so I get up to the counter, and uh, he says, uh, uh, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm preaching up, uh, up the street here at this church this week. Oh, oh, preacher, oh, how can I help you? And I'm going, you stink. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> And I said, well, I need this and I need that. And he turns around to the employee and says, would you go get? And they're like, they're looking at it because they see the change in him. And they're like, you know, he's real nice. And they go get my part. And he brings it up, rings it up, and says, have a nice day. And I said, well, thank you very much. Let me give you something to read. And I hit them all. And I said, let me, let me tell you something, son. Yes, sir. God's last name is not damn. I, got, I was communicating with a preacher in a, in a Y the other day, telling me that a guy got saved. A, a guy got saved. I'm sending him a book next week. A guy got saved because he went to a motorcycle riding course. Uh, learn how to ride. And, uh, and the instructor was a former Hells Angel. And the instructor said, now he didn't know this at the time. But he said, I got one rule. I got one rule in this course, and you break it, you're flunked, you're out. And I'm telling you up front, right now, you break it, you're out. I'm going to flunk you. And he said, what's the rule? He said, don't you take God's name in vain around me. Who would have ever thought you'd catch that at a Harley shop with a guy covered with tattoos? And a guy went to him, this guy, and he eventually got saved. And he went to him and said, man, that's the oddest thing I ever heard. And he said, boy, let me tell you about the time I bowed my heart to Jesus Christ and he forgave my sin. And that impacted this guy enough that he ended up getting saved. And now he's out there working with a friend of mine and, uh, and I got a call about that. Simple as that. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Now, you know what? We're out there in that world and we hear it. And some, well, that's just part of it. Amen. But don't you do it. Don't you ever do it. I'm trying to help you. 
this morning. Amen. Bible says this in uh, James chapter 3 and verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. But, you know, I've noticed this. Some Christians have two different vocabularies. One for church and one for everywhere else. You know, the world has a word for that. The Bible has a word for that. And the word is hypocrite. And the last thing this world needs is any more hypocrites. James 3 and 10 goes on, goes on to finish and says, My brethren, these things ought not to be. Amen. Uh, I'm going to give you one. Take your Bible. Go to uh, Psalm 19. This is the last verse. Psalm 19. I'm going to read your verse. And I want to say this before I do. If we could get a hold of this verse. Before we open our mouth, our words could have the correct impact. Look at verse 14. Now, Psalm 19 and verse 14 says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And before you start talking, if you would uh, just take a second, if you're saved, to ask yourself, is what I'm about to say, talk about, etc., would that be acceptable in the sight of God? If Jesus Christ was standing right here, right next to me, would I say that? Because he is. Amen? All right. Father, I love you. Thank you for this hour. Good spirit. Great liberty. Pray and ask God you'd help every one of us, especially me. Get a hold of the very basic truths that I've tried to give these precious folk this hour. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.